0: In the book of Mark, we're going to be reading uh, 1 through 23 this morning, and I'm switching it up a little bit. I'm reading out of the NIV, just because I like this translation a little bit better for today's message. So here we go. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when you prophesied, When he prophesied about your hypocrisy, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have to let go of the commands of God. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and you and anyone who uh, cares for you, uh, curses you, anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if, if a man says this to his father and mother, whatever help you might have otherwise have received from me is Corban. This is a gift devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for his father and mother. Thus you have nullified the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone. And understand, nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He, he, uh, he enters a man from the outside, can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but in his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And all these evils come from the inside, make a man unclean. Let us pray. Father, (laughs) Lord, prepare our hearts as we receive this message, Lord. This message could be, for some, could be unsettling as we are called to examine our own hearts as we read your word. For some, this message, Lord, could make an individual feel a type of way. So Lord, I ask that you not only prepare my heart as I speak your word and your truths, may you prepare the hearts of the congregation, Lord. Lord, allow us to live in tension in this. Allow us to sit and struggle in this. So as we leave, Lord, our hearts can be aligned with you and you only. So allow your scriptures to speak. In your son's amazing and powerful name we pray and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. The crazy thing before Jesus, before my relationship with Jesus and and really understanding who he was in my life, I'll be completely honest and, and some people are gonna hear this and be upset or maybe like, oh my gosh, he's saying that. But I'm gonna be honest, like Christians, like religious folk, Not everybody, but I'm just saying I struggle with 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 Christians. Because this is the thing, man, sometimes I see Christians, especially when I was growing up as a kid and then especially in sixth grade when a pastor of a church actually told our family we could no longer come to church because my parents were going through divorce. So from sixth grade on, my idea of a Christian was that you are the biggest hypocrites in the world. You can you you swear by his word and and you so try to want to live it out. But your heart. Your heart is in the wrong posture. And and for me, as I I remember watching Christians walk through in high school, you know, this this is going to be this is ugly. Right. But I remember those high school students who would be at the same party as me on Friday night on Saturday night. And then they'd be in the worship band on Sunday morning. And I, I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, dude, like, what are you doing, right? Or the best was I was a limo driver <laughs> for main event limousine. And a group of elders decided to go out from a church. And I'm driving this limo, and I'm looking back at these dudes doing the things they're doing in this limo. And I'm like, you're an elder? I remember like Lizzie and I, when we first started dating, the conversation I used to have when we'd go to Mayflower was like, I know some of these people. Or when we go to Monterey Church, dude, I I see what they've done. Like, I'm going to be honest, pre-Jesus, I was a scumbag. The things I would allow myself to get into. But then I would see the same folks that said that they love Jesus doing the exact same thing I'm doing. But then they would say, like, you got to live by the word. I'm like, bro, you wasn't saying that Friday night. And that's the hard part about this scripture as I was wrestling with it for the last couple of weeks. Man, honestly, I read this early on about three, four weeks ago. And I was like, dude, this one, this is going to hit. Like, some people are going to hit this and they're going to feel some type of way. Because this morning we see the Pharisees and scribes. Now, again, the Pharisees are these religious leaders. And the scribes, back in the day, scribes is basically just a copier. That's what it, it was like. They're kinkos, right? So the scribes would sit here and take this oral tradition, and they would write it out and make copies of it and send it out to people. Like, the one that commented, they actually said it was like kinkos. And I was like, that's awesome, right? But the thing is, something changed with the scribes back in Ezra's day. We see in Nehemiah, uh, here you have this guy, Ezra, who was a scribe, but his heart of the thing was he was a teacher, And so from Ezra on, scribes really became teachers of the law because they were sitting here writing it out, writing it out, writing it out, writing it out. And we see in Nehemiah 8, chapter 8, he talks about teach this to my people. And so Ezra held that truth. He's like, I'm going to teach these folks. But this is the problem. These Pharisees and scribes will immerse themselves in scriptures but then made their interpretations of the scriptures more important than the scriptures. They saw that some of Jesus' disciples ate with defiled hands, unwashed hands. And Mark helps us understand this wasn't like because of lousy hygiene on, on his disciples' part. Instead, they were not comp- uh, complying with the ceremonial washings the Pharisees practice. And I forgot something I need this morning. Let me... Run to my office really quick because this example won't make any sense. I knew I forgot something. But it's okay. We can punt. Let me run here really quick. and Let me grab this because there's a commentary that I I was reading this week and I don't want it to come from Jeffrey because I don't want you guys to get mad at me. So get mad at someone else. And as I've been... Reading this week and and going through my commentary, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to share this because I'll be honest, I'm going to read this, and I know, I know deep down inside there's going to be someone that's going to be like, ugh, this guy. Yeah. But this is what my commentary says. It's one of my commentaries I use. I have about six or seven that I constantly use for the book of Mark. And he goes, the religious and spiritual elite surrounded Jesus looking for anything they can cause to use to denounce him. And he gives a quick example. Remember, this ain't Jeffrey, so you cannot get mad at me on this. Let me introduce you to a prospective church member. He will attend every service, including special events. He will go on mission trips with a passion to convert the heathen. He will tithe, sing in the choir, read his Bible daily, memorize scripture, he will be happy to pray in corporate worship. He is thoroughly orthodox in his theology. He is, is a, 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 a believes in heaven and hell. He never drinks. He is not addicted to porn. Never uses profanity. Is a family man. Loves his country fervently. Weeps on July 4th. Votes the right way. His reputation in the community is stellar. If any man ever earned the right to go to heaven, it was this man. His religion is certainly something to admire. This is the the tricky part. Sadly, this is a man headed for hell. I have just introduced you to a 21st century Pharisee. A Pharisee in the first century was not scorned as a legalist. No, he was looked up to as a model citizen, a person of pity and religion. Unfortunately, Pharisees, had as Paul said a zeal for God but not according to the knowledge. Amazingly, amazingly we can have a passion for God yet not know God. We can be deceived, captured and enslaved by the deadly lure of legalism. Tragically, those who have been raised in the church are the most susceptible to this deception. Our pride in our religion, religious rituals, church practices, And cultural traditions blend us to both our great sinfulness. The great Savior who alone can rescue us from our sin. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. So this morning as we look at this idea, tradition over our heart posture. So if you think about back in Mark 1, 1, he begins by saying in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And over the, uh, it talks about he is bringing the gospel into these communities. He is coming to save the lost. And over the last six chapters, Mark has been unpacking uh, for us who Jesus really is. That he has authority yet over suffering uh, for the Son of God. Only Jesus can save us. And so here it is in, in verse uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Through three is you have these guys, these Pharisees and Sadducees, or Pharisees and scribes, and they're sitting here coming to Jesus talking about, hey, our tradition, we do it this way. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things I was warned about as a pastor coming into a new church was people's traditions of how things have once been done. And, and, and not coming here wanting to poo-poo or on the traditions or, or come here and try to wreck people's traditions. My, my question I'm always asking, though, is what is the heart and the purpose of what we do? If you're doing something just to do it and to get and check a box, that to me is a tradition that's talked about here as the Pharisees. What is your real reason for what you do? What is your purpose because let's be honest, if coming to Sunday service is literally just a tout and say I'm here and, and build you up and, and, and like check a box and say I've learned Jesus today, but it doesn't change your heart, honestly, don't come to Sunday service. It's that simple. Because Sunday service, we should be coming here, we should be gathering, because we want to get our hearts aligned so we can go out on mission for Jesus. And that's what the Pharisees aren't doing. They're sitting here saying, hey, you got to wash your hands. And as I was reading Leviticus, I was trying to go through, like, I, I, I love the whole Bible. But I'm going to be honest, there are some books of the Bible a brother just does not want to read. And the reason is because I know I can't fulfill any of these things. When I read Leviticus, I know for sure I cannot do Leviticus. I can't. I can't live that, that healthy law. Like, so, so some of the things that I was reading this week, right? Like, like one of the one of the, the unclean, cleansed foods. I've told you before, I love me some bacon. Like right there, I would have failed. Shrimp? Come on, man! Like. I couldn't, right? But this is the one that's crazy as I was reading because he's talking about unclean hands. In Leviticus, God is setting a tone in a sense on the writer's heart of saying, hey, there are certain things you gotta be cleansed of. Like for instance, discharge out of your body. I was like, I I was reading that this week. I was like, that's awesome, actually. Like, if you go, if you want to read something fun, go to Leviticus 15. And it's, you know, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when a man has a bodily discharge. And I was sitting here like, oh, my goodness. Like, it's some good stuff. It's basic hygiene. But as I'm reading this, it never once said, hey, before you go to the table, make sure you wash your hands. Now, you know, as a parent, we got a little guy. We try to get him to wash his hands, and it's like pulling squirrels, right? He ain't going to do it. But it's like, what's going to really hurt him if he has a little dirt on his hands, right? So that's what Jesus is in here saying. So we've seen Jesus heal many people with many kinds of diseases and de- demonic oppressions. We've seen Jesus forgive sins. We've seen Jesus challenge religious leaders on issues of fasting and the Sabbath. We've seen Jesus calm not one but two storms. We've seen Jesus raise a dead girl back to life. We've seen Jesus feed at least 5,000 people with five loaves and a bread, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. We've seen Jesus walk on water. This is the craziest thing here. You have these Pharisees and scribes that are hearing and seeing these things but they're worried about what people are putting in their bodies and if their hands are clean. Like they're missing the mark. They are missing the purpose of the gospel. What Jesus is going to teach us here is something about our heart. Our sin issues comes from the deepest part of our inside. And sometimes as I, as I go about my week and I, I think about people and I see things and hear things, Sometimes the root of that sin is because there is something in you that you haven't allowed to heal. And the easiest way to cast your junk out is uh, is to cast it on someone else. See, these Pharisees are watching Jesus heal people. They're watching Jesus walk alongside people. They're watching Jesus love people. And these Pharisees that were put in place to be the, the elders of the church, I would say, or be the people who are supposed to be the shepherds watching over, instead of loving people, they're judging people. But I don't know about you, I would not go to a church that was known for judging people. It it wouldn't be in my DNA, especially because of where my heart lies with the broken. Because I was once broken, I know my depravity. I know I'm still a sinner apart from Jesus. So why would I want to go to a church with a bunch of people that don't understand their own depravity, understand their own need for Jesus, and that's the heart of the issue here. Get away from these traditions. Get away with, from what was, what you thought was created for something good that might have passed on and it might not fit the need. And what Jesus is sitting here saying, hey, you don't need to wash your hands to eat. I never put that in the Bible. Like you never heard me say that. I never came from God to wash your hands before you broke bread with somebody. But see, what Jesus is showing is, is, is the brokenness of our world. And I'm sure, I'm sure, we can all agree that the world is broken. Whether you're Christian or non-Christian, we can agree that things aren't right in the world. The world is not all it should be, but, but what our culture tells us the problem of the world is due to someone else or something else. We're told that the reasons we have issues is not due to our own faults, because of someone else's fault. It's always someone else. We project it as someone else's, because at the end of the day, we don't want to be the cause of our sin. I know for a fact when something goes wrong, I did it last night at our, our dessert banquet. There was one letter missing on the PowerPoint, and I was like, that was Lizzie. My first reaction was like, Lizzie did it. <laughs> like, here I am. I'm the pastor of Okanagan Valley Alliance Church, and my pride wouldn't allow me to say there was a S missing at the end of my, uh, Lizzie's name. Instead of Jeffrey Chambers, it said Jeffrey Chambers, and then it said Lizzie Chamber. And instead of saying, man, I made a mistake, I threw my wife under the bus. How often do we get an email or something, and we read it, and then our response is like, what? Or a conversation at work, and we're like, oh. And our first inkling, our first thought is, ah. Oh. It's our action. What comes out of our heart shows us who we are. <laughs> if I wasn't a prideful, arrogant man, I would have said, that's my fault. i should have looked over my PowerPoint. But because I'm prideful and arrogant, I'm like, I can't do no wrong. It's Lizzie's fault. And it's my wife that I threw under the bus. It wasn't like some stranger. It wasn't like we have an admin. I was like, oh, my admin, you can't trust them. No, it was my bride. Like, it, to, 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 to know, it might sound stupid. It might sound something simple as that. But to throw an individual under the bus shows where your heart really lies. See, we always want to put it off on someone else. It's someone else's fault. And Jesus is going to teach us something contrary to this. He is going to teach us that the problem with the world is not out there. It's not someone else or it's something else's problem. Our problem is, is internal. It's not external. The problem is in us. The problem is our heart. So this morning, we're going to take a look at two things. We're going to look at the problem of the heart and the solution, which is and in, in, in only could be a relationship with Jesus. Because if I'm not tired, wearied, worn out, and my heart is in the right posture and I am connected to Jesus, I would have never thrown Lizzie under the bus. But yesterday was a long day. I was tired. I didn't want people to stand up in front of that I'm talking to and be like, feel like I'm getting judged. Instead, I was like, ah, let me take the, take the easy road out. They don't know that I'm the one to put the PowerPoint together. Just like this morning, I missed the one on the three. Come on, I could have easily said, hey, Lizzie did that. This morning I said, yep, you're right, that's me. That's the difference of when you're connected with Jesus. That is the, mean, the, 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 the meaning of this today. The Pharisees have come together to Jesus along with some of the scribes from Jerusalem. Apparently Jesus is creating a tension in these religious leaders. <laughs> have you ever been with people and you've created a tension in the room and it's kind of awkward? I'm just saying, I know by experience. He's creating a tension, but you know what? Sometimes tension is good. Sometimes being in tension is healthy. And Jesus is like, yeah. And so here's what's going on. I love this. I love how Jesus challenges. The Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. It's not not here, hey, they're holding to what the Bible says. It's a group of individuals that says, this is how we do it and how we're always going to do it. And if you don't follow and toe the line, you're a heathen. (laughs) Like, come on, man. OVAC, think of our traditions here at our church that we are so stuck on. What would happen if someone came in here and was like, hey, we want to change the carpet? Hey, we want (laughs) to, okay. Hey, we want to remove the flags from the the stage. Oh, 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 yeah, what just happened? Hey, we want to remove the sign and maybe relocate it somewhere else instead of having it here. I'm just saying these are the traditions that the the Bible is talking about. We hold on to these things like this. This is my arena. This is my area. Instead of saying, you know what? Hey, whatever God wants to do. I knew full well coming into this job, I'm coming in it open-handed. It's not my church. It's God's church. And if God says move, I move. But sometimes, sometimes individuals like the Pharisees and scribes, they want to hold on because maybe that might be their little bit of power. Like how for a Pharisee to sit here and say, it's our tradition to wash your hands. They're holding on to a power. Ladies and gentlemen, my question is, what do you need to release this morning? What do you need to give up? Where does your heart need to lie? Because if we're still, as a church, going to hold things like this, regardless of how big or small, then how are we welcoming others in? If we're so fixated on this, we don't have the eyes for that. We don't have the eyes to see people if we're stuck on our traditions. If we're always constantly arguing about what's right and what's wrong, and this is how we've always done it, like the Pharisees here, how are they going to heal the lost? Feed the sick, or heal the sick and feed the lost. Like, how are we going to accomplish those things? As I was reading this this week, it was something, something came to me. The Pharisees heard of Jesus feeding 5,000. Why weren't they doing it? Why wasn't the Pharisees going around praying for the broken? And I had to truly believe it's because they were so stuck on their traditions that they didn't want to be unclean. Because this is what it says. It says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And when I was reading this, one of the things that they talk about is the reason they clean themselves when they go into the marketplace is because what if they just happened to touch someone who was unclean? Yesterday was a prime example. You see the folks that show up for the food distribution. It is ugly out there. And what I mean by ugly, it's, 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 it's sin. It's, it's brokenness. It's trauma. It's hurts. It's individuals that are lost, that get shunned. It's a homeless encampment that show up. My question is, would we extend our hand and shake it? Or we want to put a glove on we don't want to be unclean. It's going and loading a car with feces in it and cat urine smell and loving that individual. But see, the problem is when we're so stuck on our traditions, we, we don't have space for others. And so as the Pharisees are here, Jesus calls it right out in verse 6. Isaiah was right when you prophesied about your hypocrisy, as it is written, that these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachers are built on rules taught by men. It's simple. They're not living out the great commandment love thy neighbor as you love yourself. And you go one before that love your God. Because if we love God with everything, all we have, we don't have time to hold on to our traditions. Or we don't have time to say, this is how we've always done it. If we truly love God and we're in prayer about this together as a group of individuals, then hopefully our hearts align. And when we're in the tensions of our hearts not aligning, we come to maybe a, a place of, let's say, let's talk it through. Let's walk it through. Let's, let's figure out the why of what Jesus is calling us to do instead of saying, nope, this is how we've always done it. <laughs> it's crazy. Because I see, I see the Pharisees in some of us. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, like, we're broken sinners. We're prideful people. We want it our way. And that's, that's the challenge this morning I really just wanted to hit on is this idea of, as a church, as a body of believers on mission together for God, we have to be aligned together. We have to have Jesus in sight, not our own wants and wills. Because he, he shares in verse nine, and as I was reading this and really trying to understand this, I think of my mother in, in this. And It says, is, you have a fine way of settling, setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And it's this simple idea in verse 10. It says, for Moses said, honor your mother and your father. And anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. So, this idea is, is as I was learning about this this week and really trying to unpack it for myself because I, I've, I've told you before, I'm a big time mama's boy. My mama asks for something, she gets it. Like, that's just how it is. Lizzie knows. Lizzie's like, oh, your mama again. Like, my mom, Lizzie loves my mama, but she knows, she knows I'm a big time mama's boy. My mama asks for something, it's yours. And here, what Jesus is sitting here saying and bringing back to what Moses was teaching was like, hey, As parents raised you, as a child, our job is now to protect, love, and serve our family, meaning our parents. And what these Pharisees were doing, they would say this word Corbin, and I I just learned what it was this week, but they would say Corbin. And basically it was like, tag, not it, because what they would do is say, hey, what I was going to give you, Mom, because your rent was due, or maybe you need them loaves and some fishes. You know what? It's already given to God. I can't help you. I'm like, dude, like if I was to say that to my mom, one, I'd probably get punched in the throat. Two, I know for a fact my heart would be unsettled because of what my mother has done for me. But because of their tradition, and it's not even in the Bible, this law of Corbin. They just added it on. It's like, you know what, mom and dad, I can't help you this month because I've already given it to God. That's a huge tradition that they're, they're sticking to. Honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever help, you might otherwise have received from me, Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God. So the word of God is sitting here telling you to honor your mother and your father. And part of that honoring your mother and father is when they get to this age of not being able to work or provide for themselves. Or maybe that, that time of the month where things are just so tight. And you're going to sit here and say, I can't give it to you. I'm choosing to, my tradition over you. I try to make it practical. A practical thought. Like, I know we tithe and we give and we have money in the accounts and everything like that. But, like, yesterday Bill had said something. And I was noodling on it all day when multiple individuals who are living in their vehicle were coming through. And Bill's like, man, what if, when we do these food distributions, if if we could buy or get, like, some little mini heater stoves? And we can, like, purchase these things, and we can, and then for those, and we just keep them hidden. They don't know we have them, right? But what if we know and hear a story and we give them to somebody? No strings attached. I like how David said, no strings attached. Here you go. This is the thing, though. I'm gonna be honest. And, and, and if you get felt wrong about this or you feel some type of way, talk to me later. I'd be afraid to ask my church for money. Not all the church, but I'd be afraid to ask, hey, there's a need in our community and I want us to cover it as a church, and it's gonna cost us 500, but I'd be afraid to ask. I really would. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'd be afraid to bring it to the board. And that's why half the time I do things I just cover it on my own. It's easier, just, I just cover it myself. Because we're so used to holding onto it. We have a scarcity mindset. These last two food distributions showed me God has an abundant mindset. Abundance. There's an abundance. But do we trust in that abundance? Or are we holding on? And and again, it goes back to where is our posture of our heart? I understand stewardship. I understand watching and being mindful. But Jesus tells us when we see a need, we feel the need. We don't, we don't wait for Jesus to fill it because if he's prepared it and put it on us and we have it, we go do it. These Pharisees must have seen a need. They must have seen individuals broken. They must have seen the paralyzed man, the blind individual, the, the, the woman who was bleeding. If they were really about their life and really about their work and, and really protectors of the church and really understood what their congregation was going through, the, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, they would have known it. You don't think they should have laid hands on her a long time ago? Nope, I can't, you're unclean, I don't want to touch you. Nope, that's dangerous, I don't want to go talk to the demonic. Mm-mm. You know what, nope, uh-uh. And that's, that is what's holding on to these Pharisees is their traditions are saying, I don't want to interact with individuals that are unclean. But this is what Jesus, as I wrap up this morning, is from the inside out. It's from the inside out. And this is what Jesus does in verse 14. And I love how he does this. Again, Jesus called the crowd. And it's in this idea, he gathered, he gathered the people together. He said, hey, come, come here, come here. Listen to me, everyone. And understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of the man that makes him unclean. It's a simple idea. It's what we touch, what we eat, who we interact with. That's not going to make us unclean. The unclean has already been in our heart. Our sin, we're we're by nature children of wrath. The Bible tells us in, in, back in Genesis after the fall, like we are children of sin. We are already deprived individuals. The root of our heart is sinful. It is so sinful. And I, and I had to think of this example like the last couple of months. I love my child, David. The last couple of months, if you want to see sin, be a fly on our wall on a Wednesday afternoon when he's biting Lizzie or smacking or punching dogs or hitting them with bats. And I'm like, you didn't learn any of that from us. That's in you, kid. And to sit here and have to explain to this kid, like, we don't hit animals. Hey, David, you don't bite your mother. Like, we see the interactions of children just how sinful they are. So it's not that... that, It's some from outside of him. It's not his environment. That's not the cause of the sin issue. The sin issue is rooted deep down inside in the pits of our heart. It's the things that we want to hide. It's the anger. It's the resentment. It's the pride. It's the hurt from your childhood that you've decided, you know what, instead of forgiving and then you want to foster it and hold on, and then it's everyone else's fault. It's not, it's not what's going into him. It's rather what comes out of the man. Verse 17, after he had left the crowd and had entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And this, this is a beautiful idea here of what Jesus is, is doing with his disciples. It's like, this is true discipleship, right? He's with the big crowd. He's with everybody. And then he's in this intimate time, this intimate removing himself. He's with his 12. He's with this little group of guys maybe a couple girls thrown in there because you know the women followed him because they were carrying the money, they were providing for his ministry. So it was his intimate circle of group of friends, right? And he is saying, hey, and they're asking, what about this parable? We're not, we're not catching it. And I love how he responds, like, are you dull? Like, that's a better word of saying, instead of saying, are you stupid? You know, like, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In in my, in in NIV, it says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And so, but I had to go into a spiritual mindset of this, of like, it's not our interactions. One of the commissaries says it's not even the music we listen to. It's not even having a drink of alcohol. It's not even being around a group of individuals that aren't Christians. Because at the end of the day, if your heart is not settled and your heart is not right, you're going to sin anyway. At the end of the day, if you're going to sin and want to sin, you're going to sin. Because we are sinners. Paul says it, all have sinned and fallen short of the uh, the, the, the love of God. All of us, not just one of us. It's not, hey, it's this group over here is the sinners. It's all of us. You know, it's, it's that, that moment he met the Samaritan. I, I think when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, and he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. It didn't say, hey, The father is looking for those who can pouch scripture and know the good book. That is not what he said. He is saying where your heart lies is where you'll worship me. That's why you can worship at a food distribution. You know, you you can worship in a parking lot. You you can worship. I just got a text this morning from a a football coach. I'm out on the golf course worshiping because I invited them to church. And so I was like, I'm praying for that time. I'm not sitting here poo-pooing or, or downing the importance of worshiping together, but what I'm sitting here saying is, where is the posture of your heart in your worship? that That's, that's the big key, the key here. That's the piece that we've got to pay attention to. And, and the only problem was, they didn't actually give it to God they simply devoted these things to God they pledged them to God but they still held on to them and did them in a in a way that they chose and wanted to so they were coming across as pious but but actually hard-hearted and they're disobeying the law of God for the sake of their silly ungodly traditions their heart posture wasn't pointing towards God my question for you this morning where is your heart pointing we all have a mission that we're called into. We have a field. We have a, we have a desire in our heart. But my question is, is it your desire or is it God's desire? Is our heart aligned to actually hear God or are we just saying, this is what I'm used to doing. This is how I've always done it. So we're not leaving room for the Holy Spirit to work. I tell you what, as a church, I really hope that we, we have a heart of hearing the Holy Spirit. Because see, when we're in line with the Holy Spirit and we're walking in that correct line, then the tension is less, the confrontation is less. Because what we do is we're understanding the meaning of the person's heart that we're actually saying, you know what? They, they probably have great intentions. It's when we don't align our hearts with each other that we're starting to question. I wonder why they're doing this. I wonder why he said that. I wonder what's going on here. What, are they hiding something from me? Or like, That's what happens when we're separated from the Holy Spirit. We let humanity come in, and that's when all the junk happens. But when we're aligned with the Spirit, we're saying, you know what? That's my brother. That's my sister. I'm going to see the best intentions out of them. I'm going to trust that God is working in their life. And that's what the Pharisees weren't doing. Instead, 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 this is what the Pharisees were doing. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from the inside and make a man unclean. My challenge this this week, as you guys head out, as you go about your life and your different roads... I pray this for you guys, Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with me. Where is our heart posture as a church? Where is it as a family? Where is it as an individual? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for how you challenge, how you love, how you push us, stretch us, Lord, so we can be in right relationship with you. Lord, be with us this week. Finish, as we finish out this service, Lord, as, as the worship team leads us, may we just have a time, of reflection during this, this time, Lord. And so I just, I just pray that we really reflect on who you are and your goodness. May we see you this week. Revealing us what we need to let go. Just be with us, Lord. In your Son's amazing name, we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would like to invite our worship team back up.